Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Welcome to the Resurrection Celebration today at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. We believe that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and because He gave His Son freely, we can accept Him and invite Him into our life without cost, without any promises, without any pressure. All we have to do is to recognize we need a Savior and then to turn our life to Him, repent of our sins, and receive Jesus. We receive Him by simple invitation. We'll get to that a little more in a moment, and you'll understand it much better. But today, suffice it to say that God has a plan for your life. Okay, He will succeed if you will just give Him a chance. He knows what He needs to do in order to make your life happier, healthier, more prosperous, more productive, to take away those impatient moments in your life, to help you to curb those cutting remarks that offend others, to do things in your life that makes you a greater representative of the real person He made you. You see, He wants us not only to make a living, we have to make a living. He also wants us to make a life. But once we have made a living, and once we have made a life, He also wants us to make a difference. And today, we're going to see the pattern, what He did, so that we also can follow that pattern. Well, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We'll be going there first. And then in just a moment, we'll be reading out of the book of Isaiah and out of the book of Philippians, both. And we'll go back and forth just a little bit. But let me set us up, because today I have a punchline, you know? You know how it is when you're telling a joke and you want to make sure people get the punchline, you got to set it up just right, you know? Well, I want to set this up just right because today I have a truth that I have encapsulated in such a way that I believe you can leave here remembering it. You see, it does not matter near as much what I say as it matters what you will take home with you. The Apostle Paul said that he had rather speak five words that people actually understand than 10,000 words that really made no difference to them. I feel the same way. There is a difference between teaching something and telling something. You see, I want to teach you something today. But in order for me to teach you something... Um, you'll have to learn. There is a difference between me teaching and me telling. It is the same difference between you listening and you learning. You can listen to what I say today, but leave here without learning anything. 
Your part is to learn something. My part is to teach something. How do we know if that has taken place? What is the indicator that I have taught? What is the indication that you have learned? It is if you can repeat what I have said. You see, until you can repeat one plus one is two, you have not learned one plus one is two. You may have heard it, you may have listened, but you did not learn. The instructor may have told you, but he did not teach you if you cannot repeat it. And so my goal today is for you to leave here being able to repeat at least one thing. And I have a truth. I have one truth I want you guys to be able to repeat. That's why I spend a lot of time encapsulating a truth into a little saying. For example, make a living, make a life, make a difference. Okay? That's, that's truth encapsulated into something you can remember. Okay? God has a plan. He will succeed. You have a chance to participate. That is a truth encapsulated into something that hopefully I can teach and you can learn and leave here remembering. The journey is your friend. I mean, how many of things have we have? I mean, I have right at a thousand of these that we have put together in this church that help us and remind us of truth and principles so that God can easily bring things to our remembrance that he has told us. Now, today, uh, I'll tell you when I get to this truth, and maybe we will repeat it a time or two so that we can leave here having learned something and not just leave here having heard something. So are you ready today for the word? Okay. All right. The title of the message today is the captain of our salvation. The captain of our salvation. Uh, I'll explain that more in just a moment. But when we get to the gospel of John, the person who is writing this is rather old. I mean, not too old, but he's in his 90s. Okay. And so he's a little bit older than some of us, and he has lived a long time. He has been a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, since Jesus called him on the shore of the seas of Galilee, you know, perhaps over 60 years earlier, maybe even 70 years earlier. Wow. Uh, he was in his, you know, 20s when Jesus called him. And now he is the last living apostle. And as the last living apostle, it is very important that he shares something before he leaves planet earth. Because he is like the patriarch of the church. And he has seen so much. He has gone through so much. He has even had Jesus visit with him when he was praying on a Sunday and heavens opened up and he was able to write down the book of Revelation about all that, that Jesus was planning to do in the future at the end of the world. I mean the apostle John knows a lot. And when he decides he is going to introduce us to Jesus in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, he does not go just back to the genealogy like Matthew and Luke did. He doesn't go just to the history and the research like Luke did. He doesn't just jump into the works like Mark did. Jesus, take, uh, uh, John, takes us all the way back to the beginning. 
when was the beginning? It's not a concept that we understand. We cannot know when the beginning was. What does the beginning mean? He means that it is a time, as we would understand it, before there was anything that we could comprehend or recognize as being anything. The beginning. I mean, have you ever had one of those thoughts? What's on the other side of that? <laughs> well, what's on the other side of that? Well, what's on the other? What happened before that? What does it mean, beginning? You know, I don't know. I do know that it is by faith, by my trust, that I accept that there was a beginning. I don't know what that means. To have faith is often a choice. We either decide that we are going to believe in God or we decide we are not. It is a choice. It is a choice. We decide that we are going to believe the Bible or we decide we are not. Now, we have an advantage because God has sent His Holy Spirit encouraging us in ways we cannot even explain, speaking to us, knocking on the door of our heart, sending people to say things, allowing us to experience things that we cannot explain, that science cannot account for, and that people cannot tell us how it happened. But the Holy Spirit encourages us to have faith. We have an advantage. The Holy Spirit today is working in your life, working in your life, encouraging you to believe that God loves you and that God has a plan for your life. The Gospel of John starts off telling us about this. You see, John introduces us in so many ways to the love of God like no one else. He tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He didn't have to. He could have condemned the world, but He did not send His Son to condemn us, but rather to save us. And so that anyone who believes and receives Jesus will be born again and will become a child of God. Again, it is by choice. Sometimes when we are given a choice, we ruin our lives. Hello? Sometimes choices offer us opportunities to fail. But yet in God's system of justice, He wanted His relationship with you to be your choice. John will tell us about this. Are you ready? Let's read 
John chapter 1, reading from the New King James Version, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, and again, we don't know when that was. We just have to accept that by faith. I choose to believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that's a pretty big statement, but John knows more than anyone else about this. He has seen into heaven. He has met with the risen Savior. He knows. He has been told by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God before there was anything that you or I could ever have imagined existed. If we had been there, we would have seen nothing. It was in the beginning, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. He, talking about Jesus, the Word. We understand that we are talking about Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Everything we see and all we understand was made by Jesus. Wow, that's interesting. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I offer you this morning that Jesus was God incarnate. God made flesh. That's what he will say a little later in verse 14. He will say that very thing, that the Word, Jesus, took upon flesh. He was God, incarnate, God in the flesh. Not only was Jesus God in the flesh, but Jesus, the Bible says, was our creator. This is very important. A very important truth in the Bible is that Jesus was our creator. All things were made by him and for him and through him, and everything continues to exist because of him. Nothing ever existed, but he created it. You, he created you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. You see, he, Jesus, was our creator. But not only that, Jesus is also our king. This is where the truth that I want you to take home with you begins to unfold this morning. You see, as creator, Jesus owned the right to be my king. He owned the right to be my Lord. Jesus owned everything. There was nothing before he created it. 
He created it by him and for him and through him. And, and it's by him that all things continue. As creator, if you create something, you own it. Right? I mean, if you go home today and you create something, it's yours. If you write a song, it's yours. If you create something, you own it. God owns you whether you like it or not. He owns this world. He owns everything, whether we like it or not. As creator, Jesus owned the right to be my king. However, for some reason, God has this super sense of justice. I do not know a lot about God. He has only chosen to reveal a little bit about himself. All I know about is how he feels about us. That's, that's the only thing I know about God. How God feels about us, mankind. Okay? And the way he feels about us, he has this super sense of justice in that he's not going to make you serve him. It's a super sense of justice. That's your decision. But also, in this super sense of his justice, just because Jesus was the creator, and just because Jesus owned the right to be my king was not enough for God. In his super sense of justice, he made Jesus earn the right to be my king. Jesus does not only own the right to be my king. Jesus earned the right to be my king. No one else left the throne in glory to come to church this morning. Which one of you left your throne in glory to come here and suffer with me? Which one of you gave your perfect, sinless life for people who hate you, who curse you, who persecute you? Which one of you has earned the right to be king. Not me. You see, Jesus did not pardon us from his position. Rather, he used his life to pay for my pardon. I don't have a positional pardon. I have a paid-for pardon. He served my time. He earned the right. This seemed fitting to God. How can you ask someone to follow when you have not followed? How can you expect someone to give when you have not first given? How can you command others to love when you have not shown them what love is? 
this is what we should imitate is being an example that others can follow. God demonstrated His love for us in that Christ died for the ungodly, the Bible says in Romans 5. He also says in John, 1 John 4 that we love Him only because He first loved us. You see, Jesus does not merely own the right to be your king. He earned the right to be your king. And although Jesus was in the beginning... And although he was God, and although everything was made by him and for him, nonetheless, Philippians 2, 7 says, he made himself of no reputation. Taking on the form of a bondservant, he came in the likeness of us. Isaiah 53 continues, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, for he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Back to Philippians. Yes. Philippians 2 again. And being found in the appearance as a man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Back to Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Back to Philippians. Therefore... This is the reason why God also has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Should bow. They should. But it's their choice right now. It won't be forever, but it's their choice right now. Every tongue should confess of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And, uh, excuse me, uh, And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee bow, every tongue confess. Why? Because he earned it. Jesus is a man's man. He didn't just take the throne and take the crown and say, I'll be king now. He humbled himself and came as a babe in a manger and submitted himself to all the trouble and trauma and disappointments of this world and defeated sin openly because what I could not do in my flesh Jesus coming in this same form of sinful flesh defeated sin in the flesh and then offered me the prize. Jesus is not only our creator, he also became our savior. 
Hebrews 2 and verse 10. For it was fitting for him. This is God's super justice. It was fitting. It was reasonable. It was just right. You know, God does things that's just right. You know, come on now. He has a right to tell you to not be angry and sin. He has a right to tell you to be patient and loving and kind. He has a right to tell you to forgive. What has he asked you to do that he hath not done himself in greater measure? He earned the right to tell me what to do. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He suffered so I can go free. He is the only perfect, yes, the only perfect perfect captain of my salvation. Today we celebrate the death, burial, and especially the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the creator of all things, our Redeemer and our King Jesus. Salvation is only by invitation. It's the only way a person can be saved is by invitation. Not by him inviting you, but by you inviting him. His super sense of justice says that he must be invited into your life. Today, if you will Invite him in to your life. He will come and set up his kingdom in your heart. You will begin to feel different. You will begin to think different. You will find yourself challenging yourself to act differently. There will come a peace to your life that will pass understanding. And Almighty God will protect you and preserve you, watch after you, and faithfully guide you, and one day receive you into your heavenly reward because of your invitation today. Will you invite Him? into your life today? Will you just simply say, welcome. Welcome home, Jesus. I believe, I choose to believe there is a God. It's a choice. It's a decision. I choose to believe there is a God. I, I cannot tell you why He loves me, but He does. I cannot tell you why I love this man. I cannot take my love out and show you, but I know I do. I cannot tell you how I believe in God, but I know I do. I know I do. 
Today, you know you do. Simply invite Jesus into your heart right now. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes and would you consider? Would you consider, and those of you at home, consider inviting Jesus into your life? Invite Him. Just say this with me. There's no, there's no magic to the words, but say this with your heart. God, I believe in you. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Come into my heart. Help me. Save me. Forgive me. Teach me how to be filled with your presence, with your joy, with your peace. Show me how to be more loving, more hopeful, kinder, more at peace. I choose you, Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. I receive you as my Savior. Right now, I belong to you. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus has come into your heart and into your life. You'll begin to see things change. And this is something that you can continue to do every day. Welcome home, Jesus. Be at home, Jesus. I am yours. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.